Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. Welcome to Bite Into It. Tonight, uh, it's me, Dan Morganti, and joining me uh, is the lovely Maze Wallen. How are you doing, Maze? I'm doing well, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. Playing, uh, playing some video games throughout the week and coming to talk about it. Uh, what did you get up to? Yeah. Oh, it's always beautiful. Um, I've been a little bit hesitant to, you know, rock the um, out of lockdown. I went to mum's for a little bit right on the edge of Greater Melbourne. Yep. Um, but otherwise, you know, just hyped for a couple of new releases. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. So today on the show, we're chatting little gems we found on itch.io and talking about the platform in general. You may have heard us mention it before. Uh, we love it and we love the the platform. So we'll be going over a couple of games that we played on that. Um, and we'll also be having an interview with the amazing creative powerhouse that is Michaela Ledwidge from Mod Studio uh, about her VR interactive documentary, Game Shaped Project, uh, a clever label about the Australian Christian lobby's actions during the 2016 Safer Schools policy and uh, beyond. Um, but before those chats, we got some news. So Yeah, uh, what has been happening? Samsung is developing a new cloud game platform. So it was revealed as part of the Samsung SDC 21 keynote presentation. Um, it was uh, revealed at the end of the uh, the end of the presentation, so not much is known about it. Um, uh, it's to diversify your game selection on Samsung smart TVs uh, if you want to use the the marketing speech um, from Samsung. Um, but the, basically, Yong Jae Kim, who's their senior vice president of visual display software and R&D, um, that means that soon you'll be able to enjoy games without purchasing high-end hardware and developers can easily apply Samsung smart TV seamless immersive experience to new games. Um, so yeah, we're no longer needing to buy huge, uh, chunky, um, consoles and can stream the games right through the TV. Um, it's pretty yeah, exciting, interesting it's stuff. Similar to, um, the Nvidia Go is it called? And then also, I guess, Google Stadia, that kind of cloud computing. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder how it will go in Australia because we have always suffered from, um, lag and, and real high ping um often those cloud computing uh doesn't work that well for us yeah um, but i have heard of some good things around using um game pass on mobiles though i think some people have been pretty okay playing games on their phones so yeah, yeah. maybe they just need I to how it will go. yeah maybe they just need to find their their own kind of genres that work well for streaming that you know not too um, intensive, uh, you know, processor-wise and can, are able to be streamed. You know, mm. you don't want to be, yeah. Um, yeah, streaming the latest, greatest high-end graphics game through that, especially in Australia. But, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe I just... I wonder, you know, with, with the... Un- with the announcement of any new platforms, there's often um, a lot of money fed into developers to try and get some um, content on their platforms. So... I might keep an eye out to yeah, see yeah. <laughs> where those where those dollars are going and um and where they're being offered up. I think yeah. that'll be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Um in other news, uh 
talking about metaverses often in the news and in the news all the time this week. Um, something you might have missed, though, is a new electronic music festival in Roblox. Um, so, you know, everyone has probably heard about people like Ariana Grande, um, Marshmallow and others having concerts in Fortnite. Um, other people like Imogen Heap having concerts in the VR platform Wave. Um, new concerts in Roblox. Yeah. Um, they have... Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just uh, saying, yeah, like uh, we've seen it in other games and uh, Fortnite mm. probably being the most uh, famous example. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a pretty cool lineup for um, their specific um, festival coming up. There's people like DJ Snake, Oliver Heldens, um, Wax Motif and Benny Benassi. There's some, yeah, interesting names. Um and Roblox, you know, there's a lot of different games in there. They're making a whole um, whole camp, they're calling it. Um, yeah, over 25 unique accessories can be acquired through using custom virtual candy. Popular <laughs> bracelets traded at festivals. So we're still getting that little piece of experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just, and just joining World Party enters attendees to win real and virtual merchandise. So oh, that's pretty fun too, I That's guess. awesome, yeah. And like I first thought when these things were happening, these concerts in video games, they were a bit of a gimmick. But I think like this is showing that they can happen and like if they're done well and imaginatively, they can be, you know, uh, a viable way to, to see a concert. Yeah, and I guess, you know, people who you might not, be able to go and see because they're just never going to come to your country maybe yeah <laughs> um or maybe you just don't want to commit to being a part of that audience or something like that you know i think we can talk to michaela as well if we get some time later on who's also been working um so intensely in virtual production um about what she thinks of these virtual con um concerts so yeah, yeah i think sure. it'll be It'll be fun. I've been to a few. I enjoy them. Sometimes they're a bit hit and miss, but I do like, you know, being able to be on stage with people. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, moving on to uh, something that uh, boggles my mind. I cannot understand NFTs or um, how they work, but uh, the worlds of crypto and video games and NFTs are coming together um the combination dubbed play to earn and uh, more broadly part of the decentralization movement um could result in a huge uh, whole new generation of gaming experiences with real world economies and new player incentives um so nfts which as i mentioned i don't quite understand it's I, it's like a virtual trading card or i i guess that's like the way that i understand it best but i it is i mean you know personally think it's a massive pyramid scheme scam but <laughs> um, um yeah well there, there's this uh yeah. <laughs> new uh yeah new way to make video games and experience video games which uh valve the owners of steam the largest video game platform on pc have banned nft games so there were a few mm. kicking around on their platform and they've put their foot down and axed them all um which is which is interesting and has led to a well, 
like a gap in the market where some new platforms can possibly sneak in and uh, set up shop and really develop this NFT video game uh, technology. Um, so the yeah the, the development if it catches on could help form the foundation of the sought after metaverse that so many social media and gaming firms now seem mm. intent on creating. Uh, if you think of Mr. Zuckerberg and his move to uh, naming the his company Meta. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, projected like, uh, ma- the va- market for virtual clothing, you know, in the metaverse could become a billion dollar industry. Like, so it's just, it, it's ridiculous. It might feel anti-tech of me to say this, but it just, it doesn't exist. It does. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's just so much. Other than some you ones know, and zeros. If, yeah. If we go further you know if somehow everything was totally green and carbon neutral it's still just a waste of brain space Ugh, i don't know yeah don't, <laughs> don't at me yeah. um i just ugh. so you you're, you're think, on the same level as steam on this one uh on, well, with valve on you this know, one steam isn't necessarily anti nft they have their own trading card system which is a pretty similar kind of deal yeah um, but I think and for them, as well as the Epic Store also weighed in, um, which was interesting, I think it's just a legal nightmare. You know, people are being scammed left and right, having their JPEGs and PNGs just saved and and bought on different marketplaces or stolen or scammed or hacked or yeah. whatever. Um, Steam doesn't want a part of that. Yeah, for <laughs> doesn't sure. doesn't need to happen on their platform no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I don't get. Like, once something's on the internet, it can just be infinitely copied and, um, you know, distributed. Mm. So how could you own that one? Like everyone else has access to yeah. it once it's out there. And to it's... me, it's just that's the point of the internet is that it's available and it's infinitely copyable, and you know, there's it's accessible. You know, this kind of artificial scarcity is bullshit you know i don't want <laughs> priceless works of art like yeah it doesn't matter anyway yeah. whatever <laughs> so uh um, yeah watch this space for nft games in the future we'll uh we'll be eager to see how they develop and uh the market that comes along with it so far i have only seen real bad ones <laughs> like just slot machine simulators catch the coin bucket bullshit it's just been i don't know You've got me, you've got me riled up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On to some totally not related to NFT news and way more positive. Um, Newly released Brisbane game Unpacking by Witchbeam Studio is the third top selling on Steam in the last 24 hours. So some awesome pride there for a beautiful tiny studio Witchbeam um, up in Brizzy. Mm-hmm. That's beating out titles such as GTA V and CSGO Riptide. It's pretty awesome yeah. um, that these, this title's been up there. Yeah. And that's... for a game that's uh, like narrative-driven and, um, you know, a little bit contemplative and um, yeah. it's it's great to see that getting some, uh, getting some traction as opposed to just the same military guys and... Um, you know, mm-hmm. just just something different that's that's making it to the top there. You know, yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, it goes for about five hours. I've seen in some reviews. Some people are not super happy about that at the um, 
20 to $30 price point, um, depending on your currency. Yeah. Um, but I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like price of a movie ticket at this point if cinemas were open, which some of them are, which is cool. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think they've done really, really well and it's just great for the Australian independent industry to, you know, have yet another really cool success like that to be able to look towards and be like, all right, we don't have to be exploitative. We can make beautiful things and sensitive things and people will buy them and enjoy them and love them. I think, yeah, it's really great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll, yeah. We're about to hear a, a song from um, Unpacking, which is uh, great. So we got, uh, this is by Jeff Van Dyke, Jeff Van Dyke. Um, Dyke, yeah. Jeff Van Dyke. Um, and yeah, it's uh, Unpacking, uh, Unpacking a Life, Redo. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. We're talking about uh, itch.io, a uh, video game platform for developers, games creators and you if you're interested in uh, short, little, independent, um, really uh, author-driven games. Um, and, yeah, me and Mays are going to do a review of one game each that we picked that maybe um, not something that we were... Well, for me, it wasn't something that I would usually play, but, you know, I, I'm willing to um, step outside my bounds and act, I really enjoyed what I, what I played anyway. Um, so I played a game called Dinner, uh, by a um, developer called Autumn Rain and Eugene Valentine. And Autumn Rain, uh, I've checked their page. They've got their... their I, I guess their style is quirky, surreal, uh, to the point of um, horror. Like the a lot of the <laughs> surrealness uh, starts to... Um, really become unsettling at some points. That's so, great. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, it, it's really funny as well. For It doesn't really have any dialogue. It's got sound bites of um, uh, certain things. So there's a, there's a door you can click on. I, I should start by saying it's a point-and-click adventure. So you've got... Uh, uh, so uh, you've got to feed two dinner guests. So you start off in the kitchen uh, with two guests and two empty plates. The aim is to feed the guests, and after trial and error, you end up feeding. What you end up feeding them is uh, like a pink gelatinous meatball that gets split in two and shared between uh. them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and uh, you, as you click around the kitchen, so you'll click on the microwave, and standing next to the microwave is this little chef. And cool. as you like, click the buttons, they make beeping noises but don't really do anything. And if you click on the chef, he shouts out in pain. And if you click him enough times, he'll just keel over and die. And then you're stuck, <laughs> stuck to make the meal by yourself, I guess. Um, and then you click on the pantry and you check what's in the pantry. You've got uh, pepperoni pizza. And every time you click on the pizza, more pepperoni disappears and makes a popping sound. So like it's uh, Aww, popping off cute. the pizza and disappearing. Um, toy. Yeah, and then there's some dog food, uh, which I think is what you actually end up feeding to the to the guests. You click oh. on it, you take <laughs> it to the microwave, uh, then you bring it back to the table, split it in two, and feed the guests. Um, I should say this is a really short game, about 
uh, between three and five minutes. So if you're looking to play something that's out there, uh, definitely go to um, slitherpunk.itch.io forward slash dinner to give dinner a go. Um, and yeah, I, I won't uh, I won't spoil it for you, but the end takes a very sharp left turn. <laughs> Um, just out out of nowhere, it becomes a, a, a you you're getting chased down the hallway by some uh, food monstrosity. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I I highly recommend it. And uh, basically, it's uh, just a, a good example of itch.io in general. In that mm. this is not a game that's like you, you know it doesn't have a lot of. Uh, commercial appeal i guess you would say but is so interesting and off the wall um that it's it's a really uh interesting thing to play and like it goes to show that video games can be something else they don't have to be these super polished uh you know a million different systems kind of games they can be these short little uh interactive Uh, fun-filled adventures Um, yeah i really like how some people often describe their their games as toys you know like and that pepperoni pizza popping thing reminds me of like oh it's kind of just like a little toy you know yeah and um i really like that feeling you know someone's put a little bit of themselves into a, a really silly piece of tech and had some fun um I just went on to uh, slitherpunk.itch.io um, and went on to their profile and the cursor is a little eye. When you mouse over things, they spin. It's like it's really taking me back to some GeoCities kind of style, which I beautifully – I think is beautiful. Um, and then they also have a camaraderie profile and camaraderie is a platform that's like Patreon where you can subscribe to people and pay them um, a little bit of money monthly for their art and to help support them. But it's run as a cooperative business. So all the profits don't just go to um, one CEO who owns the platform. It goes to all the creators who all own the platform together. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. It kind of um, shows what kind of community is on itch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I often describe Itch as the Bandcamp of video games, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you'll often go on Bandcamp to buy an album to support the artist, even though you might be, like, streaming the music somewhere else for free or something like that. Um, and then at the same time, um, artists can upload their music to Bandcamp for pay what you want for minimum prices, that kind of thing, which is really similar to Itch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the game that I found, I went on to itch and there's a, a really hilarious streamer that I watch called Nicole He, um, who does these themed streams where she just puts a word into itch. She searches a word and then plays 20 games with that word in it. Okay. Um, so I I was a little bit boring. I just typed in Australia and it was like, oh, okay, where's the game? Um, <laughs> but I found one that was actually really appropriate for our interview coming up. Um, it is called Australian Same-Sex Marriage Voting Simulator. Of course. <laughs> By 
Jacob James Games. Um, and it's an app that you download onto your phone. So if you have an Android, it's really easy to download um, these little homebrew games onto your phone. Um, you don't have to go through the App Store or anything. You can just download it from the browser. And it is has three clicks. So, so you open it and it's like, okay, here's welcome to the form, um, to the simulator. And then, you know, it's got some cute little things like, you know, this form has doesn't have anything to do with real things. This form doesn't have an agenda. Um, software can't think for itself right now anyway. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you click through, okay, I'm ready to, ready to do the yes or no. And it's got all these silly little comments and stuff um, about, you know, here we are riling up voters, here we are wasting money, here we are ignoring every single survey that's already happened that would have this pass. Um, <laughs> Somewhat sarcastic, I'm um, getting the, the vibe on this yes, one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, which I loved. And then um, you press your answer. Um and then, actually, this is what irked me a little bit, but I think it's still funny. Um, so I played through it twice. Played through it. I pressed two buttons twice. Um, <laughs> and each time you actually get the same ending, whether you say yes or no. Um, uh, okay. And, and it's a gif of Rick Astley. Um, <laughs> but with Scott Morrison's head. And that's kind of... <laughs> It is pretty good. Yeah. But I was a bit like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is it the same ending? It's not even like, you know, one cursed ending, but one nice ending. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Um, but I thought that was cool. Yeah, I for sure. I thought it was cute. And that yeah. sounds like something that, um, you know, something short and sweet that, that like you can do in 10 minutes, like while you're waiting for the bus. And like, I think that's. Like the the real beauty of itch is su- stuff like that. Like you don't have to uh, have a lot of time investment just to play games. No, like you can knock something yeah, over and just browsing and yeah. just being like, oh, what's this? You yeah. know, um, which Although, is really cool. I will and- say that in uh, last time I looked at Twitch, uh, itch, sorry, um, uh, there seemed to be a lot of horror games. And a lot of like anime dating games as well, <laughs> um, which I'm not a big fan of horror uh, horror games. Uh, I, uh, I suppose I am in a way, but like these particular like um, walking simulator horror games uh, are not really my thing. But I'm going to give some of them a go because, uh, you know, itch, itch allows it and it, they're short experiences and um, the time investment, I don't feel like I, I have to put in hours and hours um, the game will be done like that and the an- yeah. anime dating also not my thing and yeah i don't really have uh you know any interest in it beyond that <laughs> so horror, horror i'd be willing to give a go there are really funny anime dating things like you know there's hatterful boyfriend where you date pigeons which is really funny <laughs> um, yeah. um, and then but i think that one of the things on itch because it's so focused on a low barrier of entry, a lot of like um, visual novels, a lot of those tools are quite accessible. So maybe you see more games made with more accessible tools on the more accessible platform. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, and I just want to give a uh, special mention to uh, Never Gonna Give You Up the Game, which uh, is done in Game Boy uh, green monochrome style. Oh, and, cool. Uh, it's a Game Boy game inspired by Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up music video. Um, so, yeah, check that one out because... Um, if if you've ever heard of uh, the perfect video game, that is it. Um, never going to give oh, you up amazing. by Rick Astley. The game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. I um, one more thing I just want to say is about yeah. game jams as well. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not in the industry or can uh, develop games, but there is uh, pages for game jams, and game jams can upload um, all their games that. Um, you know, that have been made for the game jam, um, which is good if you want to see like grassroots development and what, you know, people can come up with and, um, yeah, yeah what like, people can make in just 24 hours or what yeah. people are experimenting with. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, all we've got to say about itch other than, uh, try it out. Like if you're, um, looking for you know something to fill in five ten minutes. Um, travel to itch, pick up something that looks funny or quirky or um, a little off the wall. Um, there's there's actually a lot of off the wall on itch.io <laughs> if you're if you're willing to um, go for it. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. So Michaela Ledwidge is the co-founder of Sydney-based studio Mod that specialises in real-time and virtual production, especially known for investigating important topics like diversity and equity. Her new work with the studio, A Clever Label, uses interactive data visualisation in VR to tell an investigative documentary into the Australian Christian lobby's actions during the 2016 Safe Schools Policy and later the same-sex marriage referendum. Michaela, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Mace. So this project you started off in 2016 and it's just released. Is that right? Oh, boy, I feel old now. Yeah, I think it might have been, yeah, it's been four years. So, yeah, 2017. How's that been? It's a pretty maybe draining piece of work, but it's also um, maybe an emotionally validating piece of work. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yes, simple answer is yes. I mean, it's it's not my normal kind of project, Um it's the first time I've ever done anything in the investigative journalism space. Um, and it's the first time I've probably done anything beyond being an armchair activist. So it's certainly taken me out of my comfort zone. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about about it? What? How sure. do we experience it? I think my description has probably boggled some brains a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So the idea was um, after seeing... Um, climate change documentaries and impact documentaries that sometimes pop up graphs and stats that are almost immediately out of date. Mm. Uh, I'd been doing a lot of VR work and I was wondering if it might be possible to, rather than telling the audience about certain stats and giving them certain facts, if whether it would be possible to actually slurp in 
uh, data in real time from government databases, from APIs, and let the audience actually play with the data live. So it was a pretty abstract concept at the start, but what it sort of gelled into was that I, the presenter, would basically be talking to the audience from in a virtual world, and I'd be doing what I just described. I'd be playing with data. I'd be literally following the money to see where these groups get yeah. their funding from by pulling on virtual rope. And when we started doing, um, so we built a, an, a, an Unreal Engine-based virtual set, if you like, with the idea that this would be a virtual production and we'd make a video. But as we got into it, our test testers were starting to really show a lot of interest in doing it themselves. And when COVID hit and the, the likelihood of people wanting to share a VR headset started going down, <laughs> we decided to pivot to getting a consumer edition out first before the film. So that's what we've done. We've put out on Steam a, um, a pilot for this project. And the idea is that, sure, you can listen to me talk about um, what we've discovered, but the real power of it is that if you've got a desktop VR experience, you can download it for free off Steam and hopefully by the end of the week off Itch.io as well. And <laughs> um, is it Itch.io or Itch.io? I've always said Itch.io. <laughs> I think it can be anything in the in the world of the web. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Itch.io and, and Steam um, will allow you to basically uh, not just listen to my kind of intro uh, as and I'm sort of appearing as a what's called a volumetric video so it's like a 3D uh, Michaela inside inside this virtual world but more importantly um, there's hundreds of, of nodes connecting all this information that you can grab and manipulate and essentially construct your own investigation and that's what we're most interested in to see what people make of this of what I'm calling an interactive documentary experience. Yeah, wow. It's definitely really satisfying to be pulling these pieces of string around and kind of throwing and, and um, creating these webs and, and ropes and things like that. Um, it's definitely more engaging than, than looking at graphs. <laughs> um, um, do you so see, you, sorry, do you, um, do you see this being used for other documentary uh, style interactive experiences? Um, do you have any other ideas for your next project or um, can, are they transferable, these these systems? Yeah. Yeah, look, it's a great question. Um, the name of my studio is Mod. Um, I'm My whole approach to stuff is whatever project we do, it should be moddable by not just the audience but by us. And this was conceived as a, as a test for the idea of having a generic um, um, tool. Uh, and I'm super excited about the potential for that. Um, we have to kind of wait and see uh, rather than project what the uses are. But certainly I'm really interested in a project to now that uh, environmental crimes are being talked about at sort of international level, um, I'm really interested in seeing if maybe journalists would like to snapshot um, what decisions are being made in Australia as a kind of a climate change climate change graph, um, just to keep the bastards honest about you know what does <laughs> how how do decisions then translate to 
impacting our country and and um, communities on climate and environmental issues. Um, but look, we've had some really interesting inquiries, uh, anywhere from you know Interpol to Exxon to you know all kinds wow. of corporate uses, forensic tracking of you know where does the money go for corruption investigations. Um, and I've been quietly using the tool um, for my uh, corporate consulting gigs that I occasionally do. So there's, um, if you ever take the Parramatta light rail, um, a lot of the um, sort of the, the design thinking around that, I was sort of doing, pulling all, everything that I was working on a few years ago into this prototype graph tool just to keep my own head clear of you know, yeah. how, how does all these pieces fit together? So we're not quite at the point where we can release a version that you can drag and drop your own uh, data into, but that's certainly the plan if we can get some momentum. Wow, that's beautiful. Are there, are there tools that you've used that people might already be familiar with? So there's Unreal, which a lot of game developers would be familiar with, but as far as you're handling the data, you know, if there are a lot of our listeners would be um people who like to deal with data um Definitely. Would they know of any? yeah yeah so um well the so besides unreal um uh, and i should give a shout out to epic who actually gave us a mega grant to work on this we've actually Amazing. had more support overseas for this project which is a bit ironic so um the neo for the graph database um um provider neo 4j who have an open source graph database product they also sponsored the project so we've been using their uh, database and that's something uh, anyone could download and play with. It was actually used for the Panama Papers investigation that won a Pulitzer Prize and that's that's wow. partly why we ended up using it because we saw this amazing consortium of journalists pulling this enormous amount of information into something coherent using graph databases and went hmm that's something we could take <laughs> advantage of here. Um, Another another um, uh, product we use, uh, so Microsoft Mixed Reality Studios helped us out and we actually shot my uh, volumetric video on one of their stages in the US. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a technology that's coming along. Um, still a bit hard to get hold of, but, but uh, mm. I think over the next couple of years, you'll see that open up. And because this is a, a mod production, we've got a, an open API that um, anyone can connect to. So um, we actually publicise that through our, um, you know, various um, web pages and the like at cleverlabel.com. But at the moment, we've just released a, um, a Swagger compliant open API. So if any journalist or data storytellers or developers were interested in using this data, it's all able to be slurped in from that API. And if we do get any traction, again, we, we have got plans to release the whole um, graph server as well. Costs us a bit to run. So at the moment, it's only on an invite uh, you know, a request-only basis, but we've designed the whole infrastructure so that uh, if there is an audience for the underlying data and technology, even the server I've written, um, that can all be released as well. Jeez, that's really cool, and it's it must be a little bit mind-bending sometimes to go from like you know, really grassroots, totally open source tools to um, then flying over and working with Microsoft or getting Epic mega grants. There's, I guess there's a lot of different kinds of people um, or products involved. How do you kind of wrangle all of that? 
slowly very very slowly <laughs> um you know i turn 50 next next year and um you know it's 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 ridiculous how long some of these projects take and how many decades worth of relationships sometimes go into pulling this together but look at the end of the day you've got to try and make you've got to try and demonstrate there's something of value to the partnerships so because we were trying something a little bit different uh, we were able to get uh, support from some of these big companies. Um, when they saw that we were actually serious about being uh, shining a spotlight on some of this stuff, we also then started to pick up support from various folks on the basis of the topic itself, which is very satisfying because I do think this is a topic that hasn't really been covered terribly well in the media. Um, we, because we're only a small company, we've, we've taken a decision to only use public information. So we're not mm. making claims about, you know, a lot of hidden information. But even so, um, there's stuff in the experience that I'm still scratching my head at. Like, for example, Maze, did you know that we have this charities register in Australia where you have to disclose, you have to basically register your charity, disclose mm. where the funding comes from. But there's charities uh, in the database that we've got that we talk about in this experience where even the name of the charity is redacted in the official government database. And, the and you sort of look at this stuff and these are like Australian government databases and you're going, why, why is this redacted? Isn't the whole point of this information to be to give a level of transparency. Um, yeah. We got in a Twitter argument with the Electoral Commission the other day because <laughs> I was saying how you know, they keep changing the URLs so it's very hard to track where donations come from, which is the subject oh. of an ABC show called The Big Deal at the moment. Um, and they were saying, oh, no, we, have, we, we do have that information. You just have to do blah, 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 blah. But it's way harder than it used to be. So we're... Yeah. Um, we're treading very carefully, and so the open source community is actually, in a way, it protects us a little bit because we're not trying to do anything beyond connect a few existing things together, and hopefully, in a if it's not entertainment, hopefully in an engaging way that people are, who, you know, have a VR um, capability can kind of lose themselves in the data and um, and get something out of it. Um, speaking of, you know, people who do have a VR capability, you've also released a podcast next to it um, so that people can consume it in a little more accessible way. Um, what, how is the thinking behind that? You know, is how did it translate to a podcast? Was that very hard? <laughs> not not so hard, actually. I mean, it, interestingly enough, um, Interesting enough, the the uh, the experience has got a lot of voiceover. So, I actually started off. I wrote wrote a script, which was just my voiceover for the whole thing. And so, what the podcast has actually turned into is basically um, a slice of the commentary that um, was originally linear, and then it got because we built an interactive product. It all got sliced mm. up and rewritten and re-recorded to be kind of whichever way the audience goes, like an interactive uh, narrative would would support. But then for the podcast, we kind of just went back to the to the film script and just spelt out a few things. And the reason for that was we just have it's just so hard to um, to reach a broad audience with VR at the moment. And so we wanted to make sure there was no excuse for people at least understanding the gist of what the investigation was all about. Yeah, I just um, 
haven't listened to all of the podcast yet, um, but the first few episodes, it's just written in a really wonderful kind of clear oh, and easy to follow way. You know, it was just like, oh man, I'm actually yeah very engaged with what's happening, um, and and I think that you were right earlier where you know, all of this data and information about ACL and about the lobbying of different politicians and things is kind of out there, but it is also quite suppressed, you know, and and you just kind of need to, uh, your average person needs a little bit of help to connect these dots, I think. And yeah, it's really cool. And Um, it sounds like you've ruffled a few feathers with uh, a few different agencies. Um, uh, You mentioned the the Christian lobby in there. I can't imagine uh, the light being shown on them is flattering. Um, Is there, are you hearing from any of these other agencies or like, uh, have they responded to this in any way? No, not yet. We've only only just released the title and it's still kind of making its way out in the world. Um, mm. And look, to be honest, I think, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, the best way to respond to this stuff is to ignore it. Because it's not like we don't have a broadcaster behind us. Um, you know, this isn't a, there's no government funding in this project. Surprise, surprise. Mm. So, you know, it's, in, in a way, it's, it's up it's really if this project is going to be heard or or, or um, people are going to find it, it's going to spread word of mouth. Um, and at the moment, I don't. They probably aren't even aware of it. Um, um, but yeah, look, it's it's it is early days, um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm watching this space carefully because we we did actually. Uh, it's not an anti-religion piece. Um, you know, it's not an anti-Christian piece, but it certainly is using uh, public data to put a spotlight on on individuals. And, um, yeah, we're ready to hear from them. Awesome. I'm ready. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you mentioned that your career has, you know, been pretty long to get to this point. What what else is in virtual production? You know, earlier um, in our new segment, you know, your career is very, very wide. Earlier in our news segment, we were talking about um, virtual concerts and things like that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your work within virtual production in general? Sure. So, I mean, virtual production as a term is also quite quite broad. So, when I when I say virtual production, I'm talking about um, basically staging uh, a real time experience um, with live elements. Sometimes it involves actual filmmaking, so using uh, virtual worlds, perhaps from game engines, as part of um, a, a process of making a video. Uh, sometimes it involves you know non digital events like uh, you know in a sports um, event for example um we did a we did a job this week um with which was actually streaming um from a an le what's called an led volume where you've got uh the stage set is actually made up of hundreds of led panels so the presenter was standing in a physical space but all it looked like she was standing inside an unreal engine environment uh fairly photorealistic a bit like the mandalorian tv um uh series that star wars the star wars tv yeah. series except this was in alexandria and um it was a smaller set than the, the, what they used on star wars but almost <laughs> exactly the same tech 
And uh, in this case, the presenter was actually being streamed, uh, the video of that was actually being streamed into a virtual world. Um, uh, and this was, um, this was a, a, a recent example. We've done quite a lot of uh, streaming into virtual worlds. Um, a couple of years ago, well, actually, we're just just as COVID hit, we started doing live events inside Mozilla Hubs, which is an open yeah, source um, virtual world system that Zuckerberg definitely didn't mention in his um, big announcement no. the other day um, <laughs> that people can use for free and have been doing large events in for years. Um, so this, though, though on the we specialize in three areas. One is the kind of more traditional filmmaking, so how you use this stuff live on a set. Secondly, mm. how you would actually orchestrate an event inside a virtual world. Um, and I, we've actually done two virtual concert tests uh, over the last couple of years, which as a muso I'm excited about, but it doesn't replace the the smelly chaos of being in a, in a live <laughs> venue. So, um, you know, watch this space. And then the third element of virtual production has been remote motion capture, which I'm personally very excited about because what I mean by that is it's it's been possible for quite some time to put on a motion capture suit and bring, you know, puppeteer a digital character to life, mm. uh, not just as recordings, but live. But since COVID, people have realised that, that that whole process can be run remotely. So we've done quite a lot of work where the, the the talent or the actors in the motion capture suit are actually on the other side of the world. Um, and we did a series of music videos with Harry Shearer, the comedian, where he was performing wow. as Donald Trump for his album that came out last <laughs> year and done all sorts of stuff where we're, as a studio, we're no longer constrained to just do stuff in Haymarket, Sydney, where we're based. We can basically, as if there's a decent enough internet connection, and it's amazing what you can do even with an NBN quality connection, which is not that good, um, <laughs> we can, um, you basically drive systems anywhere on the internet. So it's it's an exciting time. Yeah, that's huge. Is um, oh, We're running out of time. I've got so many questions. Um, <laughs> where can where can people keep in touch and where can we keep asking you questions? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter as Michaela, M-I-C-H-E-L-A. Uh, you can find a clever label on Twitter as a clever label. And our studio is mod.studio. Uh, that's our domain. And, yeah, reach out if you want to chat. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.